Somehow, I had fallen asleep on the couch in the middle of an investigation until someone nudged me awake. But when I opened my eyes, no one was there. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, I just want to thank you for listening. Remember, if you've bought t-shirts or coffee mugs from my website, myparanormalstory.com, be sure to send me a selfie with your swag so I can post it on Facebook or Instagram. And don't forget, everything you buy on the website helps keep this podcast running. So thank you so much for your support. It was probably 2007 or so, and I was doing my best to be a quality paranormal investigator and case manager for Rise Up Paranormal. At the time, we were actively trying to get our name out there, to help people with their haunted home situations, and to hopefully find ways to be invited to investigate historic and interesting places around New England. Sometimes I would send out unsolicited emails to places I'd heard were haunted, There was no shortage of those in the New England area. But then one day, I was reading a message board on some paranormal website that I stumbled across. There was a gentleman on there talking about paranormal activity taking place at his business. He was looking for advice and insight on his situation, but no one seemed to be responding to his requests. So I did. He told me he was the owner of Pro 9 Motorsports Museum in Pawtucket, Rhode Island which I found to be strange because I grew up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I lived half my life in that city. I know it like the back of my hand. And I had never heard of a motorsports museum in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. When he told me where it was located, it was literally two blocks away from where I grew up. How have I never seen this place before? Well, it turned out that it wasn't an official museum like nothing that's sanctioned by the state or the city. It was more like a big warehouse filled with tons of racing memorabilia. I mean, they didn't even have a sign outside. It was sort of an unofficial museum that if you knew about it, you knew about it. They're a nonprofit supported by the many racing fans we have here in New England. And it's funny because when people think of auto racing or NASCAR, they think of the southern part of the country. But the first organized automobile race on a track actually happened in New England, in my home state of Rhode Island to be exact. The first closed circuit automobile race was in 1896 on a horse racing track in Cranston, Rhode Island called the Narragansett Trotting Park. And ironically, the race was won by an electric car. I wonder if Elon Musk knows about this. Auto racing in New England quickly caught on with tracks and leagues popping up in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and all across Rhode Island. And pretty soon, auto racing was all over the country. I mean, if there's one thing we Americans love to do, it's racing. 
And this hidden gem of a museum in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, is filled with thousands of pieces of memorabilia from the golden age of New England auto racing. You just wouldn't know it from the outside. The two-story tall warehouse sort of blends into the surrounding neighborhood. I mean, you could walk by it and have no idea it was a racing museum. I know because I literally have. And unless you know where it is, you'd probably never find it. It's tucked away on a side street that's off of another side street in a small neighborhood maybe half a mile from the highway. Now our search through history revealed that the building itself was originally built in 1900. It was a flour mill for the Albert Jenkins Flour Company. Then in the 1970s, it was purchased by Larry Seiko, world-renowned yo-yo champion and the inventor of the Seiko yo-yo. I had no idea there was a yo-yo warehouse next to where I once lived. From 1977 till 2003, the building sat empty until the auto racing museum moved in. And they made some changes, some renovations to the building. And that's when the strange things started happening. Quite often in paranormal investigation, you find that renovations or physical changes to a property will often stir up paranormal activity. I'm not sure if it's because the spirits are upset by the changes or if maybe their energy is being disturbed by the construction. But for some reason, it seems to be a common cause. The inside of the building is nothing like the simple and plain exterior. It's literally wall-to-wall -wall and floor-to-ceiling memorabilia. A paradise for true racing fans. Even if you're not a racing fan, you can't help but be blown away by all the stuff they have. Old race cars and tires, hoods, seats, just about every other car part with a number on it. Plus they have driver's jackets, trophies, flags. I mean, I could go on and on. And they have a library filled with books, pictures, programs, videos, just so much stuff. The owner and his son filled me in on some of the things they were experiencing. It was a lot of the usual occurrences for an old building. They were hearing footsteps on the floor above them. They would see shadows out of the corner of their eye. Doors would open and close on their own. And occasionally, they would hear voices. On more than one occasion, the eerie voices would actually call out their name. Visitors to the museum would sometimes have experiences too. Many people reported feeling like someone was staring at them. And one woman, who claimed to be a medium, said she could see a shadow hiding in the corner. Now one of the more interesting stories they told me was that of their cat. They have a cat who stays in the museum. He's pretty laid back and friendly, but every once in a while, they would see the cat staring at something, something that they couldn't see. Now it's believed cats and dogs and other animals have instincts and can actually sense or maybe even see or hear spirits. But one time they heard the cat head into the other room and when they checked on him, they found him cowering under a table, frightened of something. And when they tried to pull him out, he hissed and attacked. 
but there was nothing in the room, from what they could see. But something had that cat startled. They agreed to let us have the run of the place one night, just to see what we could come up with. And to be honest, in most cases, we don't usually end up experiencing the same things as our clients do. Mainly because it's their space. They're the ones there all the time. And we're just there for a few hours. So it's rare that we'll have similar experiences. But on this particular night, we found ourselves firmly placed in their shoes. It was just a few of us investigating. Despite the building being so large, it's filled with so much stuff that it made sense to have a smaller crew. I remember it being a cold, late fall night, and I'm not sure if the building had heat or if it just wasn't on, but I remember it being a very cold investigation. Like see your own breath cold? We set up our usual equipment, infrared cameras, audio recorders, and we did base readings for EMFs in all the rooms. But we no sooner finished setting up Command Central when we started hearing noises. Shh! Do you hear that? Are those footsteps upstairs? We headed up the steep, creaky stairs and looked around. And of course, no one was there. Already, I was starting to get a little creeped out. We slowly walked around the rooms, half investigating and half admiring all of the interesting items on display. Some of the rooms looked more like a racing fan's man cave than a museum, but still impressive all the same. In one of the rooms, Chris decided to try an experiment. I love when investigators think outside the box, and this was a great one. Chris figured that since it's believed that spirits use electromagnetic energy to manifest themselves through sight or sound or touch, that maybe they could manipulate a touch screen. So he set up a tablet on a table and opened up a blank document. And he set it up so all the letters from the keyboard were on the touch screen. These screens work with the tiniest bit of electrical charge from our fingers. So the idea was maybe a spirit could manifest enough energy to touch some of the letters on the screen and spell out a word. It would sort of be like a digital Ouija board. And even though spirits don't know what a tablet is, they probably know what a typewriter is. So after the tablet was set up, we started asking questions, hoping for a response on the screen. Can you tell us your name? Were you a race car driver? Did you used to work here? For about 20 minutes or so, we continued to ask questions like that, but there were no responses. Then I decided to ask this question. Did you die in a racing accident? And all of a sudden, we heard a door slam from downstairs. We ran down to see if someone had come in the front door, but no one was there. Maybe it was the door to the garage. So we headed to the back of the building and inspected the door. It was a big heavy door with a glass window in it. It separated the garage from the rest of the building. 
when we went inside and looked around, there wasn't much there. I mean, it was pretty crowded in there. There's several old race cars and all sorts of stuff on the floors and walls. We had to slowly zigzag our way through all the items they had on display. And it was even colder in the garage. And you could smell that distinct car smell. I don't know if it's rubber or exhaust, but it was just a smell that made you think of cars. But other than that, there was no one else in there. Then it happened again. Another door slammed. This time, it sounded like the door at the top of the stairs. We regrouped and headed back upstairs for another EVP session. And this is when one of the strangest things to ever happen to me on an investigation took place. I was in the video room where visitors can watch old races on VCRs and TVs. And Ken and Chris were in the adjacent room doing an EVP session. I was just slowly walking around the room, again, just trying to tune in to everything around me. That's when I decided to sit down on one of the couches. And before I knew it, I was laying down on the couch. I remember saying to myself, I should get up. I feel like I'm gonna fall asleep. And the next thing I know, I can feel someone nudging me to wake up. Somehow, I'd fallen asleep almost instantly. But it wasn't that late at night, and I wasn't sleepy at all, really. Not till I sat on that couch. And who the hell's nudging me? I opened my eyes, expecting Ken and Chris to be standing there laughing at me. But the room was empty. It was just me laying there, with my flashlight still in my hand. I could hear Ken and Chris in the other room, wrapping up their EVP session, which means I must have been out cold on that couch for at least 20 minutes. I stood up feeling a little dazed, that where am I, how did I get here kind of feeling. I looked around the room with the flashlight, and in the corner, towards the end of the couch, there was an old driver's jacket on display, hanging from the ceiling, and it was turning on its own like it's on a hanger, hanging from a hook, and somehow it's turning from the right to the left as if someone was checking it out. And now this is a heavy leather jacket. There's no way a breeze or any kind of a light wind would be doing this. Hey guys, you need to come in here. We stood there watching the jacket turn as far as it could, and then stopped and started turning back again in the opposite direction. And then it stopped and never moved again. As it started to get late, we had already spent quite a bit of time in each room. We decided to wrap up our investigation and start packing the equipment. That's the thing when it comes to paranormal investigation. No one realizes how much work there is to do setting up all the equipment. But the worst part of the night is always at the end, after you've spent three, four, five hours, maybe even more, investigating in the dark. And it's well past midnight and you're exhausted, and now 
you have to go around collecting all the cameras and recorders and you have to wrap up all the wires and put everything away neatly and safely you feel like a, a kid who just had hours of fun playing with toys and now mom wants you to clean up before going to bed so we split up into different rooms to break down equipment I headed into the garage to grab the static IR camera that was set up on a tripod for some reason I didn't bother to turn on the lights. The light from the hallway shining through the window on the door was more than enough to see what I was doing. I went across the dark room and unplugged the extension cord. Then I went back over to the camera to take it off the tripod and start folding everything up. And I looked down and I could see the extension cord slowly moving. What the hell? someone pulling on the cord? I looked up at the other end of the cord and I swear I saw someone's shadow go across the wall and into the corner of the garage. I could barely see. This side of the garage was a lot darker. The only light was from the cracks along the sides of the garage doors, letting in just a little bit of the street light. Is there someone in here with me? I stood there staring at the corner. Hello? Is someone there? It looked almost as if someone was bent over, like cowering in the corner, trying to hide. Just then I heard someone yell, Tom! It was Chris from upstairs. Already startled, I quickly left the garage and ran upstairs and found Chris and he was standing at the table where he'd left the tablet with the touchscreen open. Look, he said. I looked down at the screen and someone or something had written something, but it wasn't a word. It was a number. The screen had the number 78 written on it. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash myparanormal, or just click on the donate button on my website at myparanormalstory.com. I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Unfortunately, podcasts cost money and your support helps me keep this podcast running. So thank you for your support. Please don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when I've added new episodes and feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story.